How's it going? It's Def. So I wanted to do a show on drugs. <laughs> I'm so fucking wasted. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Uh, I wanted to do a show on drugs. I finally got cornered on one of my call-in shows recently by a gentleman who um, demanded, and not unreasonably so, to um, get my opinion uh, about drugs. What was my opinion about drugs, mind-altering drugs, uh, and so on. Well, of course, as a, uh, a libertarian, as an anarchist, I believe that drugs should be perfectly legal. It is the best way to keep them out of people's hands. There are some minor statistics which may be of interest to you in regards to this, that before heroin was made illegal in England in the um, 1960s, the uh, number of addicts was numbered in the dozens, and afterwards, uh, after it was made illegal, and, and uh, shots of heroin were about three for 25 pence, you could get them in a drugstore, and then after it was made illegal, the numbers of addicts ran up into the thousands, and it was 10 pounds for each hit. When the profit is that high, drug users will attempt to get people addicted by um, throwing free parties and raves and giving free uh, drugs to people just to get them hooked. Uh, so, uh, for sure, the illegality of the drugs is 99.9% .9 of the social problem to do with drugs. Plus, of course, as we all know, because they're illegal, they tend to be um, uh, expensive, which means people turn to a life of crime. Because it's illegal, they tend not to get the, the medical help that they need in order to get over their addiction. Uh, in England as well, they've also experimented with methadone substitutes for heroin, which have allowed drug addicts, even of the heroin kind, to leave productive and relatively normal lives. This, of course, is all uh, nonsense uh, in this uh, horrendous and brutal war on drugs, which has um, uh, ripped families apart, destroyed lives, uh, people gone to jail for uh, decades, and, uh, of course, it never seems to happen to the congressman kids, uh, congressman's kids or the celebrities. So um, the war on drugs is an absolute moral abomination. Uh, it is vile, violent, disgusting, degrading, uh, and uh, gulag in its sort of style and substance, uh, sort of Russian gulag style. So that having been said, it all should be perfectly legal, uh, and uh, I have no moral issues with anybody who takes uh, drugs. I mean, if you want to take drugs, you take drugs. I've never, uh, my drug history is fairly tame. I've never uh, taken a drug that's illegal. I've never smoked marijuana. I've never uh, had any hashish. I've never done any of the harder stuff. Uh, I have uh, about a cup of coffee a day, sometimes two, you know, if I'm feeling particularly Colombian. But um, uh, I also was a social smoker, and then occasionally I would smoke when I wrote a cigarette or two, but uh, I haven't done that for quite some time. So my drug history is, is particularly mild. I will have uh, a light beer maybe once a week, uh, as particularly after I finish mowing the lawn when it's hot, because that's just, it just tastes great. So. Oh, but I did, when I was a teenager, I did go through a couple of weekends of binge drinking before I realized that um, losing my Sundays for the sake of losing my Saturday nights was not a particularly good deal. So I wanted to run over some of my uh, thoughts about drugs, though, because I can think that something is negative without uh, thinking that it's immoral, right? So, I mean, if you're a friend of mine and you show up and you're late uh, by half an hour every time we're supposed to meet, I'm not going to shoot you or have you thrown in jail, of course, but I am going to think that that is not a positive action for your life, similarly like tattoos and piercings and things like that. 
um, which I'm sure will get almost as much uh, hate mail as this uh, particular podcast, but uh, there are negative things that you can do. They're not immoral, they're just, in my view, sort of somewhat negative. Uh, parents who take drugs, well, that's another story, because it is currently illegal, and you could get thrown in jail, and who's going to take care of your kids, or if your kids get sick. Uh, but it's just the same to me as parents who drink. I mean, it's one thing to sit at home alone drinking. Uh, it's your kidney, it's your liver, uh, it's your life. But when you have voluntarily taken on responsibility for other people, then um, not so good, right? So I'm going to run through a couple, and this is not going to be why I was a thank you for everybody who tried to um, uh, comfort me about my self-mocking video when we had the barbecue here for the listeners. Um, I'm fine. I have no problem with the long videos. I think that uh, they're well worth getting into a topic in some substance and meat. So. so I'm going to go over a general conversation topic that I've had with people who use drugs uh, over the years. Uh, people I've had conversations with over the years who use drugs. And uh, I'm going to give you the frustration that I have. Maybe you've experienced this, maybe you've provided it too. Because it is hard to get a straight answer from people about, about their drug use. So, we're going to put a little chart here. Ooh, let's use Happy Green, shall we? I'm going to put a little thing here. You can see that? Yeah. And that's called uh, happiness. Right? So, this is your brain not on drugs, right? Now, let's just say that there's a scale. This is an orgasm on heroin, and this is, I don't know, watching Oprah. So, there's a scale of happiness, and we all, you know, nobody's at 100% all the time, uh, nobody is at 0% all the time, and we fluctuate, you know, like uh, the sound bar uh, in an MP3 player, we fluctuate around happiness. And what people tell me, of course, is they tell me basically two things about drugs. One, that they bring happiness, and two, that they bring enlightenment. Now, we'll get to the enlightenment thing in just a little bit, but first, let's have a look at the happiness thing. So, if drugs bring happiness, my question is, how much happiness do they bring? And that's a very, very important question, I think. How much happiness do drugs bring, right? So, there's a number of different possibilities, but let's take the first one. Let's say that somebody is, in general, really uh, unhappy, right? But drugs give them 50 or 60 or 70% more uh, happiness. It doubles their happiness or whatever, right? <clears throat> well, clearly, that's not a very defensible position. And I'm not talking about drugs like if you have glaucoma and you, or you're having chemotherapy and you can't keep your food down. Marijuana has medicinal uses. I have no problem with that, of course. It's something I hope to get to. I use Novocaine when I go to the dentist if they have to fill up a filling. So I'm, but I'm talking about when you don't have a medicinal uh, a reason for taking the drug. If the drug is a substantial part of your happiness, then that makes sense in one way. It makes sense as to why you would risk. Uh, jail time, uh, and also not knowing the quality of the substances that you're putting in your body, uh, and, and all of the time and effort that it takes to go out and procure the drugs, and so on. So here, if it's a huge, huge chunk, then it makes sense as to why you'd work uh, yourself into this sort of gray, black market, illegal world. But clearly that's not healthy, right? Clearly if you're unhappy and you use drugs to make you enormously happier, then you're addicted, right? I mean, that's... That's not, this is 0% happiness, which is unhappiness. Happiness is somewhere around, like, a sort of average contentment is somewhere around the middle. So if you're using uh, drugs a lot, or, or, or the drugs make you really, really happy, 
relative to your normal not happy state, then clearly you're an addict, right? Because you're using the drugs to make yourself feel happy when we certainly know that the human being is naturally and constitutionally able to be, well, happy. I mean, I'm a happy guy and I don't take any drugs. So this is, um, this is sort of one situation. So when you, when you ask them, well, how much happier do drugs make you? Drug users will always say, the drug users will always say, well, they can't say a whole lot because then they say they're saying they're miserable, but they're using drugs to prop themselves up, which clearly is addictive and, and counterproductive behavior, right? Like if you have a toothache, you, you shouldn't just take Novocaine, right? Because Novocaine won't cure your uh, tooth infection, right? So if you're unhappy because you have a toothache, what the pain is designed to do, get you to do is to get you to go to a dentist, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of what the pain is for, right? Now, I guess before they were dentists, it was to get you to pull it out, right? So when you feel pain, if you just numb that pain or, or drug that pain without taking steps to alleviate and correct that pain, you're actually doing a lot more damage. You're, you're masking your body's pain signals, which are absolutely required to get you to seek help of some kind, right? So if I have worked out too hard at the gym, then um, clearly my muscles are gonna ache and hurt and so on, and that's a sort of a, a signal for me to, to step it back, right? So if, whereas if I just took painkillers and went back to the gym, I would hurt myself. I would tear a ligament, I would maybe even crack a bone. I mean, so the pain signals that we have in life are very, very important. And if you just drug them and you sort of, I'm normally miserable, but I get really happy when I take the drugs, that's addictive behavior, that's counterproductive. I think we're all, you know, you're not dealing with your personal issues and you're not changing your life. You know, like if you're 27 years old and living in your parents' basement, and as David Spade says, you know, he, has, he makes jokes about a friend of his who was a heavy marijuana user, who'd sit down and look at his aquarium and say, hey, you know that guppy man? He really likes to go over there. I've really noticed that. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> right? So you're not getting the pain signals or the, the anxiety signals that will teach you to, that, that are gonna propel you to change your life for the better. Go seek psychological help or, you know, change your job or get a job or something like that, right? So when we feel anxiety or negative feelings, they're designed to help us, right? They're not like our toothache is designed to help us, right? So most people won't say, I'm miserable, but when I take drugs, I feel a hell of a lot better because they recognize that that's addictive and they don't want to sort of appear that way. So then what people will say is they'll say, well, you know, dude, the, um, uh, my normal happen, I'm a happy guy, right? But what drugs do, you see what drugs do is they take my happiness from an average of 70.2% right? It's just a little bit, maybe even less than that. It's like 1% or 2% more, right? But that doesn't make much sense, really, when you think about it, right? It doesn't make that much sense. Because 1% or 2% more happiness or 3% more happiness or it just, it makes me a little bit happier. Well, that doesn't really fit in with the whole, I could get arrested, uh, I could uh, uh, smoke, snort, inject, or, or um, eat something that's uh, got uh, some negative substances in it, um, and uh, I could have a bad trip, and so So the, the, the plus side, and we're just talking about illegal drugs at the moment. Illegal drugs would be another matter, which we'll get to in a sec. So if you just get one or 2% more, that doesn't make much sense. Like if you're really late, uh, or if your wife's given birth in the backseat of the car, or you've got to get to a job interview, I can understand going 30 miles an hour, off, sorry, 30 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. But if you say, I'm really late, so I'm going to go 1 or 2% over the speed limit, that doesn't make any sense. 
not going to get you there more than 30, 30 seconds faster. And you, there may be some cop out there who's going to slowly stop you. But this is where you know that for sure the anxiety about uh, going to get the illegal drugs and the money that you spend on the illegal drugs. I mean, drugs aren't cheap. Right? And, and it's not like you get a receipt for tax-deductible purposes, right? Unless you're a Pablo Escobar goon. So when, if you just get 1% or 2% more happiness from drugs, then that doesn't make any sense. It's expensive. It's, it's legally risky. You could get thrown in jail. You could get arrested. You could get a record. Um, you've got to spend time to go out and procure it. I mean, there's no internet uh, like iDrug or something like that that will send it to your house. So that doesn't make any sense, right? So that can't be true. And, and so there's no way that it can just be a slight plus. Um, because if it's, if it's a slight plus, then you just don't have it, right? I mean, for me, it's a slight plus, plus to have a light beer a week. And if I suddenly, I don't know, my doctor said, Steph, you can't have any more light beers. But like, okay. It's, no, it's like somebody saying, I don't know, you can't have RC Cola. It's like, okay, I'll get the alcoholized beer if I like the taste, right? I've never tried it, but maybe it's the same. So... That's sort of the, the, the double whammy that you get into with people who take drugs. They either tell you that it makes them really, really happy and otherwise they're miserable, which is clearly addictive and, and negative behavior, or they say, well, it's just a tiny little boost and blah, 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 in which case it doesn't make any sense. And I think that, I think that they're not lying to me, but I think they're lying to themselves about, about that. So that's sort of one aspect of the, uh, the question of, uh, uh, of drugs. Now, the other thing that you get, though, when you talk to people who, who take drugs, is you get the insights. You know, it's like, well, it opens my mind, you know? Like, I get all of these things that, that come together in my brain, and I just, I, I get things in a way that I never got before, and Carl Sagan said he couldn't appreciate music until he smoked pot, and I just... I get all of these insights and these, these connections in my brain that's cool. And uh, again, I'm sorry for stereotyping all drug users, but that is a very interesting question. Because for me, I mean, I definitely uh, believe that the, the search for knowledge, wisdom, insight, truth, um, philosophical validation, all of that is fantastic. It's the core of the stuff that is the best in life and that makes you the happiest. So if there is a way of getting to the truth, which doesn't involve, say, going to grad school, reading 10 million books, uh, writing essays, doing podcasts, uh, having conversations, uh, going to therapy, all the things that I've done and sort of in my pursuit of truth. If, if there's another way of doing it that doesn't take 20 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars and all that, I'd be kind of interested in it, right? So when I hear people talk about the insights that they get, from, we'll just talk about smoking marijuana, right? So when I hear that people say, well, I get these great insights and connections and understanding and so on from smoking marijuana, my next question is, let's hear them. Let's hear them, right? Because one of the things that we know about psychoactive drugs, it's not my opinion, this is just the facts, is that they will create connections in your mind, right? They do join the old synapses together. They do give you a feeling of knowledge acquisition. And it's a standard joke among comedians who talk about drug use that they say, you know, well, I woke up at three in the morning after I dropped some pot or sorry, dropped some acid or smoked some pot and I had this, like, I got it all and I wrote this thing down and, and then when I woke up in the morning, I either couldn't read it or it said, you know, my, my aardvark has hairy shorts. And, and so when you come down off the drug, all of the knowledge and the connections and the insights that you felt that you got 
when you were on the drugs aren't there. So that to me is a particularly dangerous thing and that to me is the, one of the worst aspects of drugs. Uh, as I said in my book, ooh, let's do a little plug, shall we? On Truth, The Tyranny of Illusion, a fantastic, fantastic book, if I do say so myself. Um, philosophy in your real life, things that you can do, insights that uh, were not particularly drug-fueled, other than caffeine. So, we know that the... Um, uh, let's go back to our, our happy face guy, right? So, this is our dude, and he's on drugs, right? So... So we know that in the brain, right, so you've got these, these, I don't know, receptors and neurons or whatever, and they will create a connection. And so you get the feeling, and it's an emotional feeling of, ooh, wow, I just got this great thing. I got this great thing. And, and unfortunately, though, the purpose of these connections is uh, supposed to be with ye old reality, right? I mean, the purpose of our connections is supposed to be to do with reality. And that doesn't mean, of course, that we, introspection is not worthwhile, we're just, you know, recording empirical reality, but it has to be true. And whether that's true in terms of your own introspection and your history, but it has to have something to do with reality. So if you make these connections like, whoa, everything's a square. But, in fact, you know, in the real world, it's a triangle, then this is a really bad situation. Good, you can only see part of my bad artwork. Because you've made this connection, or drugs have fueled this connection in you, that you've got this square that explains things, but unfortunately, in reality, it's a triangle. But because you have this feeling that the square is true, you stop looking for the triangle. Because you've got this feeling like, I get it, I get it. It's a square. When in fact, it's a triangle. If you say, without drugs, if you say it's a square and it's in fact a triangle, there's going to be something that doesn't fit in your mind for you. You're going to feel like, well, it should be a square. Again, that doesn't feel like it. And, and there's going to be emotional cues and perhaps some anxiety if it's a really important question. But if you use drugs to cement in your mind that the square is true, but it's in fact a triangle, you stop looking for the triangle. The illusion of the acquisition of knowledge is worse than no knowledge. See, when you have no knowledge, you go in search of knowledge. But when you think you have knowledge when you don't, you stop looking for knowledge. That, that is the desperately bad thing. If you are in a desert and you're thirsty, then you go looking for water. But if you think that you're, you're in, a, uh, in a, uh, an oasis and you're splashing and you're drinking, you stop looking for water. But if you're actually just doing this with sand, you're going to die. I know it's exaggerated, but if you understand the metaphor, that's my major issue. If you have to get to San Francisco, you'll drive there. When you get there, you'll stop. But if you're only imagining that you're in San Francisco, you're not going to drive there. Right? So if you think you have knowledge of the world when it's just drug-laced connections only internal to your mind and not based on anything in reality, you'll stop looking for the truth. That's my major concern with drugs. And it's funny, you know, because, I mean, people, um, um, I mean, I'm a philosopher who's very much focused on um, empiricism, reality, the scientific method, and validation from first principles of propositions. And so that requires extraordinary clarity of mind, at least in my case, real clarity of mind, real rigor, real work, 
painful work at times. I mean, philosophy is the ultimate extreme sport. I mean, it can be really painful to look at the truths and then look at society and look at the things that were told to us throughout our lives and all the lies and the motives for those lies from those in power and our parents and so on. Painful, painful stuff. And so people feel surprised then when, since I'm all about clarifying the mind with regard to reality, that I may conceivably have a negative opinion of uh, substances which distort and degrade the mind's ability to process reality correctly. Hello. What do you expect from a rational philosopher? I mean, I think that's somewhat consistent. So, so the false knowledge thing is a really, really, really dangerous thing. And I have had, I don't know how many conversations with people who use drugs who were like, ah, he's a square, you know, he's an arc. And yes, it's true that I look like an arc, but um, this, um, uh, this issue that they have, if they have the, these insights, I just did a show, 865, had a 45-minute conversation with a highly accomplished uh, drug user who was uh, telling me about all his insights. So I said, well, the way that you know that, you're in, that these insights are valid is you compare them to reality, right? So if you just feel like there's this connection, it doesn't mean anything because it's just a feeling, right? Some people feel that there's God. Some people feel that people who run Chinese laundromats are space aliens. It doesn't mean anything in terms of reality, right? So the fact that you feel that there's a connection doesn't make it a connection. So I was saying, well, you have to go and validate these things from first principles, right? Otherwise, it's just an idea, you know? You have to actually go and validate it from first principles. So, whenever I ask people for this, they don't provide me anything, right? And I don't think they're lying to me. I really don't. I, think, I don't think they're lying to me. I think what happens is they get this connection in their mind that the drugs provide, and they genuinely feel that it's an insight or a piece of knowledge or wisdom or something that they've learned that's important. But then when somebody who's not a drug user comes along and says, okay, explain this to me. Right? Because if you've got a bunch of other people around you, or you're using drugs together or whatever, you've got a whole lot of squares in your heads in the room, right? And so you're all reinforcing each other and bouncing off each other, right? But that's not the same as validating knowledge. That's just getting together with a bunch of people who believe the same not true stuff that you believe. That's just called social reinforcement. That's not um, logical or empirical validation, right? So, not going to work. So, so this uh, aspect of drug use to me is particularly bad. I mean, it's, this, there is also the psychological aspect where I think that anxiety and pain are very important mechanisms within our mind. They've certainly, much though I've hated them in my life, they've done me an enormous amount of good in terms of helping me to, to grow, to become a better and more consistent and more moral and happier a human being, right? So if I nuked all of those out of existence for periods of my time, that's called self-medication, right? Like I feel anxiety, so I'm going to smoke marijuana. But that's really unhealthy. I'm not talking your lungs and you can eat it out. I'm just, I'm talking about anxiety is important. Anxiety is here to help you. Anxiety is what is going to help you change your life for the better. And I know it sucks but it's better than the alternative, which is to lock yourself into this underworld, even if it's off and on, where when you have a problem, you turn to a drug. That's, right, we have to, we have to be adults and we have to face down our problems and we have to do the therapy and we have to be, do the introspection and we have to grow and we have to be responsible for ourselves. It's funny, you know, people think anarchism is like this, you know, anything goes kind of thing, but no, you see, without anarchism, particularly the atheist kind, there's no state to prop you up. You can't fall back on welfare. 
right? There's no uh, religion uh, that everyone's just going to love you for who you are no matter what. You're actually going to have to earn value in your social interactions. I mean, I guess there'll be groups of people with low self-esteem, but uh, it's, it's much more self-reliant than people think. It's much more about personal responsibility and charity, of course. I mean, people will, are, are always kind. I survive on charity. But uh, people uh, don't tend to continue to give in the realm of charity to people who are self-destructive, and obviously so. So there's a lot more responsibility in what it is that I'm proposing than what people generally think. So anyway, let's move to this last part. And th this is uh, very interesting to me. I don't think we need that guy anymore. So, if you've watched many of these, then you know that I am not so much down with the uh, God thing. I'm right? very anti-religious, uh, because religion is to me a kind of drug. I mean, it's... Uh, of course, you can do things to stimulate your naturally occurring uh, positive uh, hormones and positive feelings and so on. The endorphins and this and that, I get them from, from exercise and so on. But that's still quite different and kind <laughs> of a long a debate with me, well, not long, fairly long debate about how an orgasm was like a drug. <laughs> which, you know, one guy even said to me, a novel is like a drug. Which, of course, there's a difference between um, working out to gain muscles and using steroids to gain muscles, uh, or using steroids in combination with working out. There's a difference between um, increasing your body's natural supply of something and artificially bringing it in from outside. I mean, it's just a very fundamental difference. So if you look at the relationship between drugs and religion, um, people say that, um, that God is a gateway to you know, a higher truth, a bigger realm, a, um, uh, an omniscience, an omnipotence, a wisdom of the ages and blah, blah, blah. And they pray to God and they get these answers, right? Well, of course... One of the ways that you can, one of the ways that I ask people about this is to say, okay, well, give me an answer that God has given you that's not available to anybody else. Right? I mean, if I say that I have a machine that can solve any mathematical equation in one page, even Fermat's last theorem, any mathematical equation can be solved in one page, right? Then what you would do is you'd bring me an unsolved mathematical equation and you would uh, give it to me and then I would come back with the answer in 10 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds, right? But if I'd never came back with um, any solved equations, you would have some doubt about whether or not my machine actually existed or worked. So that's the same thing with God, right? So people sit down, they pray, and they say, Oh, Bolly Jesus, can you uh, help me out with such and such? And don't even get me started on the jokes about whether or not Jesus should take the way of Christians. But they pray, and they expect, or they believe, that they're getting back this amazing wisdom. So then you ask them, okay, well... I mean, if you'd asked a Christian in 1905 or 1904... Um, you know, what is the general theory of relativity? Well, clearly God knows it, right? And if they'd come back with E equals MC squared and the whole thing, that would have been pretty impressive, right? That would have been a machine that gave them back the solution to an equation in two pages or one page in 30 seconds. Or the minute you go like, wow. Or if in the Bible, um, there was even one scrap of knowledge in the Bible that was not available to your average quasi-educated, ranting, loony nutbag at the time, then that would be pretty impressive. Like if the Bible had something about, something clear and specific about DNA in it, or didn't make basic biological errors, which everyone made at the time, 
Or it said the world is round and it goes around the sun and uh, there are black holes and so on. Well, that would be pretty impressive because that's knowledge that was not available to people at the time, which would be some indication that they had been in touch with this higher intelligence. Sadly, of course, and inevitably, no such um, knowledge exists, right? Which is how you just know that people are not making any real connections. They're just making up connections, which is, as I said, really, really bad. If you think you're cured, you stop going to the doctor. But you may be getting sicker. In fact, you are. So, so of course, in the realm of religion, the first thing you do is you ask people and say, well, okay, so if you've got this access to this omniscient being, you know, boxes or briefs. There's a reason that I shoot from the waist up. So they can't answer. They can never answer questions like psychics. They can never answer questions which are not available either through chance or through the general population, which means that they have no access to anything higher or better or deeper or wider or wilder or more omniscient or more omnipotent or and so on. It's the same thing with drug users. Just because you feel like you're happy, just because you feel like you're making a, connect a connection, just because you feel yeah, like you're going through the doors and exploring some alternate realm doesn't mean that you are. It just means that you're screwing with your brain. And if there's one organ that you don't want to screw with, it's your brain. Right? Because the goal of life is happiness and screwing with your brain is going to mess up your compass. So the fact that I, uh, and I've had this question from people who are men, who are men and women who are atheists, who are astounded that, that I would ask for evidence of these insights. Like I'm just supposed to accept that they have these insights the same way that I'm supposed to accept that people pray to God or that soldiers are moral or whatever. Well, no, I mean, I'm an empiricist, people. I like evidence. And if you come to me with a knowledge proposition, as people do, and they come and say, well, I go to this other realm and I get all these insights. Great, let's hear them, right? And then they'll say something like, we are one, or, you know, guilt and blame, or kind of the forgiveness and blame are kind of like the same thing. And it's like, but that's not an insight. It's, it's a fortune cookie, right? Let's, where's the rigor, right? Because if you're not validating it, then it's just prejudice. It's just a reinforcement of nonsense. So... I hope that this makes some sense as to my particular issues with drugs. I think that uh, uh, if you're going to take drugs, I mean, what do you care about what I think? I'm just some guy in Canada, right? But, but what I really, really strongly suggest if you take drugs, or know somebody who does, is, you know, just, just look at it straight in the face, right? The thing that bothers me the most about drug users and religious people and statists. And I understand it, right? Because, I mean, I understand it. But what bothers me the most is the fact that they're just not looking at things straight in the face. They're just not. They're just not looking at things. They have to pile all of this mythology and, 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 and fairy tales and, and all this nonsense on something, right? So religious people, oh, devout, I love Jesus and blah, blah, blah. No, you're afraid of your neighbors. You're afraid of your parents' disapproval. I mean, just look at it for what it is. If I didn't go to church as a kid, I was punished. If I said this, I was praised. And I'm terrified to, to, to not do that, right? Just be honest about it. I mean, that's all I ever ask from people, and it's all I try to provide from pe to people, is just, just be honest about it. You know, if you take drugs, you're self-medicating, and you're, you're not exploring other realms, and you're not making connections. You're taking a drug because you want to feel happier. And it is possible, and I believe entirely inevitable, that if you take the right course, you can be happier 
than you ever could be with, with drugs. You could be happier without drugs than you ever could be with drugs because that high level of happiness can come without the fear of arrest, without the fear of impure substances, without the fear of a bad trip, without the fear of coming down or the knowledge you will come down, without the time, without the worry. Right, so you can get to 70, 80, 90% happiness without coming down. I think that you're worth that. I think that that is worth achieving. I think that is worth grabbing a hold of and achieving. And every time you take a drug, you push that further and further away. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want you to have a beautiful and wonderful and happy life. So self-medication, swamping your negative feelings with drugs or trying to grab positive feelings with drugs, which will inevitably slip away and be associated with regret and worry. It's not the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. Thank you so much for watching as always. I will talk to you soon.